Welcome back to my podcast, Lessons of a Former Pastor's Wife. I'm your host, Amy Kennedy, and this is my story. I would love to hear your story if you're willing to share. Just email me anytime at formerpastorwife at outlook.com. Let me know how God has worked in your life. You can also email me if you are in need of prayer. So getting us started off today, I wanted to refer back to the year 1804, when one of the founding fathers of the United States of America created his own Bible, composed of the scriptures he found most satisfactory and supported the Christian faith as he, Thomas Jefferson, saw it. While I've never read the Jefferson Bible, which also goes by the name The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth, I do understand that it contains primarily the sections of the New Testament where Jesus was teaching. These these particular sections that Thomas Jefferson put together are often marked in red in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as well as some parts of Acts. So we kind of did that in our own Bibles as well. I'm not bringing up this factoid to debate Thomas Jefferson's reasoning for creating his Bible or whether or not it is simply an aid in highlighting the works of Christ or some sort of darker meaning that he wanted to eliminate the parts of the Bible that he personally found offensive. I wanted to bring it up because it's an excellent example of what is happening all around us in our modern Christian churches. Pastors and teachers are pulling out only those parts of the Bible that they want to highlight to prove some point that is not really what the entire passage is referring to. I'm pointing in particular to the New Age teaching um, that we found in a lot of our churches right now, and um, a lot of highly prolific pastors have been teaching, and that is the popular prosperity teaching which in my opinion is making Christians look like money-grubbing narcissists. I can't wrap my brain around the reasoning for any human being to spend multi-millions of dollars on houses, compounds, vehicles, jet airplanes, and so much more. Don't get me wrong. I know wealthy men and women who are the kindest and most giving Christians you would ever meet. I just don't think there is anything wrong uh, with owning a nice vehicle, but do you really have to own 12 nice vehicles that you purchased with money you gained from supposedly serving Christ? I'm talking about that 1% of the elite pastors and teachers that you see all the time in the media who are enticing their followers to constantly send in tithes and offerings to their ministry so that the people who are sending in the money will then be blessed. I personally believe that this teaching is a manipulation. And I believe that those who teach this are false prophets. Um, If I'm given my money so I will get something, where's the purity in the gift? That's not the purpose behind tithing. We tithe so that our pastors don't have to work outside jobs. Uh, We tithe because we're paying a worker his 
his wages and his due wage. Um, on the opposite end of the scale, I know of many churches who have the belief setting that all pastors should uh, take a vow of poverty. I don't agree with that either. Um, so, well, anyway, I'm off my soapbox. I brought up the topic of Jefferson's Bible because what I'm seeing in the Christian world is the dark reality of teachers who are only highlighting the sections of the Bible that will tickle the ears of the listeners so that they can gain more followers and potentially gain more money. The Bible needs to be taught in its entirety. You can't just pull a scripture out like John eleven thirty five 35 that says Jesus wept and make the argument that depression is something Jesus lived with. You have to read the entire passage to understand that Jesus wept because he had compassion on Martha and Mary, whom he loved because their brother and their protector had died and they were heartbroken. Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He wept because he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled by the sorrow of the family and friends due to the death. This teaching then should be centered around the compassionate care that Jesus had for the sorrows we encounter in this life. Now, you may be asking yourself, why have I gone on for so long about the topic of creating your own Bible to live by like Jefferson did? And I bet you're thinking, wasn't she going to finish her topic of the Romans Road? And the answer is yes. This topic I've addressed has everything to do with the scriptures I focused on last week and will cover more of this week in our continuation down the Romans Road to Salvation. You see, there are religions out there and people out there who would pull some scriptures out of Bible and use those scriptures to make you feel that your salvation is tied directly to your actions. And until your actions are in line with Christ's, you can't be saved. That is a lie. Don't believe it. I'm not asking you to change one single thing about your life today. If you want salvation, there's one simple thing that you have to do, and that's invite Jesus Christ into your heart as your Savior. Once your heart is healed and in right standing with your Savior, you will desire the rest of your life to be the same. Truly accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior is life-altering and will change you and everything that you desire and want. Last week, I talked about the following scriptures in Romans. Romans 3.10, where Paul says, there is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.6-8, through 8, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely. Will anyone die for a righteous person? Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Romans 5, 9 through 11. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, 
having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And then finally, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. These scriptures highlight the truth that we have all sinned and no one is righteous enough to receive God's saving grace on his own works. Therefore, God demonstrated his love for us, his creation, by making a way out of the sin that was brought into this world that brings the consequence of death. That way was made clear for us through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, who he gave, Jesus gave himself freely for us, even while we were still considered to be his enemies. So the why of our need for salvation has been addressed. We need salvation because sin was brought into this world and its consequence for everyone is death, which was never the reason why God created mankind to begin. Did you hear that? God did not create Adam and Eve so that they would perish. He did, however, create them to have the ability of free will. They exercised their free will by eating of the only tree that was forbidden. I so wish you could understand this. I wish that I could more freely understand that the exercise of my own free will has often led me to my own destruction. And sometimes it leads to the pain and suffering of innocent people who I never intended to hurt. So we've also addressed the how of salvation. And that is through the death and resurrection of the pure Lamb of God who exercised his free will and giving himself up for us, even though we do not deserve it and he didn't have to do it. Finally, last week, I covered how we can receive salvation. And that is by purely and simply accepting Jesus Christ as your savior. Your situation may not change right away, you may have to face consequences for the choices that you have made, but your heart will begin to heal. And when your heart heals, you will move into relationship with God and that will cause your life to change. Not for monetary gain, not for healing in your body, not for some selfish purpose that you might have, but a true healing of your heart will change your life because you cannot be in true communion with God through his son, Jesus Christ, and not want more of him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Psalm 34, 8. So the last part of our journey on the Romans road to salvation that I was taught a long time ago is what are the results of salvation? And those results can be summed up in a, a few scriptures. Romans 5, 1, 
Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You see, once you come into relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, you're not only saved for the future coming kingdom, but you're saved right here on earth by the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that we are treasured with when we give our lives to Jesus, when we accept him as our savior. The scriptures that deal with life by the spirit are found in Galatians 5 verses 13 through 26. And I'm going to go on ahead and read these because I, I feel like they tie in so well with what we're talking about here and the uh, ultimate reason why we need salvation. So Paul is emphasizing the importance of living by the spirit and not by the flesh when he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, Watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. If we view these scriptures through the lens of the topic of consequences, we can see that the acts of the flesh ultimately do have the consequences of death. If you live a life of sexual immorality, you put yourself in the position of facing consequences. Of, And one of those is never truly understanding intimacy. 
not to mention the potential consequences of disease and sickness that you take into your body by these acts of immorality. And the same can be said of all the other flesh desires. At some time, you will face consequences for your poor decisions in your life. And on top of that, you will not inherit the kingdom of God, which is why Christ Jesus allowed himself to be sacrificed for us. Likewise, if you strive to live by the fruit of the spirit, there are no laws against you. You can live a life free from the heavy consequences of sin. Aren't you tired of living with the consequences of your poor decisions? What do you really have to lose by accepting Jesus as your savior? For me, I choose the peace of mind that comes from striving for a life of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I know I'm probably going to blow it in the future by letting sin creep back in. We're all human, and the consequences of being human is that none of us is perfect. We are all selfish beings, and we all lean back on our selfish needs and desires in difficult situations. The goal is to daily rise above our human weaknesses by turning our lives over time and again to the only truly perfect being who is Jesus Christ, our Savior. The final scripture on our Romans road is instructional and sums up the point of the last two weeks of our lessons. Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Listeners, I hope you understand that no one deserves the gift of salvation more than you or I do. It is a free gift that has already been paid for through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All that we have to do is declare out loud that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God did raise him from the dead and we will be saved. Your life may not change right away, but the relationship you develop with the Lord will heal your heart and that will help your life change. If you've already accepted Jesus as your savior, but you've backslidden or you've lost your faith, it's important that you turn from your wicked flesh desires back to the one who can grant you the love, peace, joy, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that you're searching for. These things will not be found by seeking for them through flesh gratification. Your flesh, your flesh is literally only skin deep. So why are you passing up the lasting deep things of God for these temporary shallow experiences that only lead to death? You satisfy your flesh in one moment. And what do you need the next moment? More 
flesh satisfaction. And it's an ongoing constant and you're trapped in it until you scream out to God and ask your savior to be there for you. Accept Jesus as your Lord today and it will break that chain. Bring him into your heart and allow him to heal you. It's not your flesh that's going to save you. It's your heart. If you don't know what's in your heart, that's an easy thing to figure out. Watch the things that are coming out of your mouth. If you don't believe me, read Matthew 12, verses 34 through 40. I know this lesson had a lot of scripture, and I hope you stayed with me through all of it. I promise you that a life with Jesus as your Savior is so much better than one where your flesh is in charge. Your fleshly desires are temporary, but the love of Jesus in your heart is for a lifetime and then for eternity. If you want to share your story with me of what God has done or is doing in your life, I hope you'll email me at formerpastorwife at outlook.com. Or you can contact me through Facebook at Lessons of a Former Pastor's Wife. You can also check out my YouTube channel with the same name. May God bless you all as you go about your week. And I pray that you learn to long for the deeper things of God than those of the flesh.